grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. 10. And today we continue in a series in the book of 1 Corinthians. Today we're in chapter 7 and the topic is marriage. Marriage is a blessing. It's a gift. Some days that other person will let you down. Some days it's difficult. Maybe you've even questioned if it's worth the effort. Well, let's consider how the Bible spurs us on to stronger and more fulfilling marriages. ReachingForRealLife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led right now to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do today. There's a place to give at ReachingForRealLife.org. The message today is called, What About Marriage? The series is called, One. Sean starts off in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. Well, we're going to continue this series we've been in. We've been talking out of the book of 1 Corinthians. The, the title of our series is One. One gospel, one church, one spirit, one mission. One. And Paul's been walking us through. And today, we're going to be in chapter 7. In chapter 7, Paul talks about marriage. Now, one of the things is marriage is always a challenge, right? It is. It is always a challenge. I don't care who you are. I don't care what the deal is. It is a challenge. You take two people with two visions, two flesh, fleshly natures, two um, kind of desires, and you put them in the same home and have them sharing things like a checkbook and stuff, right? It's tough, okay? Let me also say marriage is awesome. It really is. It is unbelievable, you know, I am so grateful. I get to be married to my best friend. I get to do life with my best friend. And God gave me such a gift when he gave me Lori. You know, and I understand that. I understand the depth of that. But she's a person, right? Lori is amazing, and she's not perfect. She's kind of, in my eyes, as close to perfect as maybe you can get, but I know she's a regular person. Let me tell you. People sit and go, oh, we pray for Lori as we hear you talk. Sean. We, we just pray for that lady. Let me tell you, Lori is sweet. She is selfless. But she is also stubborn. You notice how I alliterated that for you? Only a preacher, okay? I mean, she is, and that girl can throw down when it gets, when it, when, you know, when we get into it, she can throw down. Because we're both people. And that's how it is. And, you know, I just want to say, marriage is one of the most important things we're ever going to talk about. And how we approach it makes all the difference in the world. Marriage is an incredible gift, but it's also a significant challenge. Maybe even more so when you throw a pandemic on top of it. The New York Post did an article on September 1st. It was by Elizabeth Rosner said this, the divorce rates have spiked in the United States during the coronavirus pandemic as couples have been stuck at home together for months. The number of people looking for divorces was 34% higher from March through June compared to the same time period in 2019. According to new data collected by Legal Templates, a company that provides legal documents. The combination of stress, unemployment, financial strain, death of loved ones, illness, homeschooling your children, mental illnesses, and all the other stuff surrounding this has put a significant strain on relationships. The data shows that 31% of the couples 
admitted lockdown has caused irreparable damage to their relationships. Interest in separation during quarantine peaked on April 13th, just about 15 to 20 days into when the vast majority of states began their lockdowns. This uptick could, uptick could coincide with what health and human services professionals refer to as the disillusionment phase in the phases of disaster. That's the time when optimism turns to discouragement. Stress heightens and negative reactions often occur, the group wrote. They also found that newlyweds took the hardest hit. In fact, 20% of couples who sought divorce were married within the past five months or less compared to just just 11% the year before in 2019, doubling the rate. This indicates that recently married couples were less equipped to deal with the stresses of the COVID-19 virus than mature couples were, said the group. States along the Bible Belt recorded the highest number of divorce rate during the COVID-19 pandemic, including Arkansas and Alabama. The number of life insurance policies and payouts required in divorce settlements soared as well. And they speculated it's possible that divorce rates will continue to rise as all the ramifications of this pandemic continue to hit wave after wave. Now, I want to suggest that the pandemic that we've all been experiencing has added stress to marriages. But I want to also suggest it is not the main cause of broken marriages. I want to suggest the primary culprit is flawed understanding of marriage. It's a faulty foundation. People don't understand. They don't know what marriage really is. They don't understand what it is they're doing when they say, I do. I think that's the biggest issue. And the Apostle Paul is going to talk to us about marriage in chapter 7. But before we get there, I want to share some thoughts on marriage because they would have heavily informed Paul's view of marriage. Key verses. The first one is Genesis 2, 24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. There is no other relationship that has that same kind of description in the Scripture. One flesh. Something unique happens when a couple stands before God in the covenant of marriage and says, I do, God acknowledges that and they become one flesh. Jesus quotes that in Matthew 19, verses 3 through 6. Pharisees came to him, testing him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. Now Jesus gives some insight. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. See, as we saw last week when talking about sexual purity, Paul quoted this passage in Genesis uh, this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 when he was talking about a proper view of sex. And what I want to suggest is to understand what we're about to read in 1 Corinthians 7, some teaching that Paul has on marriage. We have to begin with Paul's view of marriage, which was rooted in that Genesis 2 passage. It was rooted in what Jesus said in Matthew 19, and it was rooted in a biblical idea of marriage. If you're taking notes, here's the main point of the message, and I want you to grab this. Marriage is a sacred union instituted by God to be the foundation of all human families. That's it. Marriage is a sacred union instituted by God to be the foundation of all human families. 
What that means is it is not a human invention or construct. We didn't make this up. It's not just something that we thought, hey, won't this be cool? Let's make up marriage. It's not. It is not simply a legal designation. What that means is it's not ours to redefine or to reform. It is not ours to redefine or reform. This became a big conversation a few years back when the Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage. And what I want to suggest to you is that is a misunderstanding of the word marriage. I don't believe governments, any government, has the right to redefine or reform what marriage is. Because marriage is an idea that God initiated that has existed before any government on the face of this planet. I think governments can create civil unions if that's what they want to do. Whether or not you you think that's a good idea is going to depend on what you believe about life, human nature, origins, and all those things. But a government can do that. They have a right to make laws, civil unions, in the context of their their legal purview. But marriage is something that existed before those governments. And they don't get to redefine it. And we need to understand this. We, as the people of God, have got to understand what marriage is and what it isn't. A civil union is different than marriage. When we talk about marriage, we are talking about that sacred union that God designed that nobody else gets to redefine that predates any nation or government on the face of the earth. That's what we mean when we talk about marriage. It is something sacred. Listen to this. I I could share these ideas, but there's no way I could share them better than Dietrich Bonhoeffer did. So let's let him do it. He's, He's part of a wedding, a ceremony with a couple. He wrote these words, and they were recorded for us. He said, marriage is more than your love for each other. It has a higher dignity and power. For it is God's holy ordinance through which he wills to perpetuate the human race till the end of time. In your love, you see only your two selves in the world. But in marriage, you are a link in the chain of the generations which God causes to come and to pass away to his glory and calls into his kingdom. In your love, you see only the heaven of your own happiness. But in marriage, you are placed at a post of responsibility towards the world and mankind. Your love is your own private possession. But marriage is more than something personal. It is a status, an office. Just as it is the crown and not merely the will to rule that makes the king, so it is marriage and not merely your love for each other that joins you together in the sight of God and man. As high as God is above man, so high are the sanctity, the rights, and the promise of marriage above the sanctity, the rights, and the promise of love. It is not your love that sustains the marriage, but from now on, the marriage that sustains your love. What a powerful picture of this holy, sacred ordinance of God's church, marriage. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called What About Marriage? It's in the series on unity called One. It's available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching today, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others just like you. Find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. In fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azaro. 
302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, What About Marriage? This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. Marriage is a sacred union instituted by God to be the foundation of all human families. And it's with that understanding that we now turn to 1 Corinthians 7, and we're going to read some of Paul's comments on marriage. They'll make a whole lot more sense when you understand how he viewed marriage. Beginning at verse 6. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am. He's going to explain this in a moment. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Uh, We understand that Paul was single. He even said, do we not have a right to take a believing wife? Like Peter and others? We understand that Paul was single. What's interesting is many commentators suggest that he had been married at one point because he was a Pharisee, and that was highly encouraged. He was part of the Sanhedrin, which was basically a requirement. Some suggest that maybe Paul was a widower, or maybe when he had his dramatic Damascus Road conversion, he had a wife who abandoned him because of this change. We don't know for sure. The point is he is single at this point, and he is saying... Man, I would that everyone could be as I am. But if that's not your gift, if that's not your call, then take a spouse. Verse 10, to the married, I give this charge. And then he clarifies, not I, but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband. But if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. To the rest, I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who's an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who's an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, this is an important verse, if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you'll save your husband? How do you know, husband, whether you'll save your wife? So he makes these ideas, this idea about singleness, and then some of these ideas about marriage. And then he goes on and and communicates another principle that we're going to find is really important in our discussion of marriage. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call, meaning his call to Christ, already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commands of God. 
Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when you were called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when he's called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Remember he said that last week. In chapter 6, you were bought with a price. Glorify God in your body. This week he says, you were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. It's this idea of everything he says. He's saying, God has a claim on your life, first as your creator, then as your redeemer. That's what he's trying to get, get across. Verse 24, so brothers, in whatever condition each was called, let, there let him remain with God. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to lead us, speak to us. Help us to listen intently, hear what you want to say to us. And help us to adapt and transform our lives to live according to your word, not the other way around, trying to get your word to somehow fit into the way we want to live. Teach us to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want to suggest there is powerful marriage wisdom woven throughout this passage. But if you don't understand Paul's framework at first, his big idea, you're going to have a hard time kind of catching it and connecting it. See, marriage is a sacred union instituted by God to be the foundation of all human families. Now, a couple things Paul points out in that passage. Number one, marriage doesn't make you whole. Jesus does. Marriage doesn't make you whole. Jesus does. In fact, say that with me. Marriage doesn't make you whole. Jesus does. And you're like, why am I going to say this? Because I I can't tell you how many people go through life and think marriage is going to make my life better. Marriage is going to make my life better. And every married, in the per- married person in the room said, what? I mean, really, I- I'm telling you, you know, you've you all experienced it, that person who feels that pressure to get married. You see it in se- the seniors who graduate from college, and they got their group of friends, and a couple of them get married, and then all of a sudden all the rest of the group get, start getting anxious. Oh, oh, i got to get married. That's, that's when my life is real, and that's when I'm really going to get uh, in my life, and it's going to make everything good. And all the married people say, uh-huh, that's exactly right things aren't good, just throw another person in there. That's, that'll fix it. Have them stop. They'll, they'll tell you things you didn't even know. You thought were going okay. They'll tell you how those aren't okay either. I mean, seriously, there are people who, who think that person is going to make my life work now. And without that, I'm just not happy. I'm not satisfied. And there are people going through life and they just feel a need and they feel they, they're, they're lonely. They, just, well, they, they think, man, if I just get married then everything's going to be okay. And I want to say to you, Paul is making crystal clear, marriage doesn't make you whole. Jesus does. And he lays out, he just flat out puts it out there. I wish there were more who were like I am. In other words, single. He says it outright in verse 8. And then down in 32, verses 32 through 34, look what he says. He says, here he explains that, why he advocates that that. Some would remain single. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. And that's not a marriage joke. We might take it as that, but it's not. Because listen to what he says. He explains it. He says, the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. In other words, all he has to focus on. He's talking about a type of freedom of the single person. And we know what he's talking about. 
Unmarried man is anxious or concerned about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. Now let me explain something. He's not saying that's wrong or bad. He's just saying there's an advantage to singleness. Because when you go stand before God and you make this covenant of marriage, the two become one flesh. I don't get to just go do what I want anymore because I'm now connected to, in God's eyes, spiritually and physically, another person who I share one flesh designation with. So now I need to think about what's good for her. Ladies, what's good for him? And we are, we're together in this thing. We're trying to, we're trying to, figure out, and, and that's the way it should be. He's not saying that that's bad or good. He's just saying it's real, and when you've made that vow, that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to be concerned. I don't just get to say, well, I'm sorry if you don't get it. I'm just going to go do it, and you, know, you do whatever you want. I don't get to do that. We're one flesh. So now we go together. And so if she needs more time to figure things out, we got to take time. If I need more time to figure things out, we got to take time because we're one flesh. So what Paul is simply saying is that there is an advantage to singleness. Married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. The unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious or concerned about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. He's talking about there's a freedom. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. See, no matter where you are, Wholeness is found in Jesus. Marriage will not make you whole. Okay? In fact, if you go into marriage thinking, man, I am messed up, but that person, that'll fix me, you are, you are setting some person up for serious failure. They can't fix you. You can't even fix you. Only Jesus can fix you and me. But if I put all this burden, this pressure on someone else to make everything okay for me, to meet all the needs of my heart, my soul, my self-image, all this stuff, if I am not whole and complete in Christ, I'm not going to be fit to be a good spouse to someone else. The best thing I can do to prepare myself for marriage is to be completely whole and, and just filled in Jesus Christ and be independent, independent in him dependent on him so that I am independent in him. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? That? I'm not saying independent of all human relationships and things like that. I'm just saying I don't need someone else so that I'm okay with me. I need him so that I'm okay with me. And then now I'm a person, a whole person who can go in and I can really bring something into my marriage relationship. I can be the husband that he created me to be. You can be the husband or wife he created you to be that's what he's talking about and he gets this he this legitimate idea of singleness that it's okay to be single and i think we in the church can sometimes get this confused if if someone is if someone doesn't feel the call to marriage or if they just feel called to be single we we kind of whoa is everything okay and we try to fix it for them what paul is saying stop that there are some people who have a unique gift and a call to singleness. I think most people probably have the sense of wanting to be married and wanting to be in that kind of relationship, but there are those who just have this sense of, no, God has some things he wants me to do, 
and he hasn't called me to be married to someone. I don't have that, that feeling with someone, so I'm going to live fully as a single person, and that is absolutely appropriate and biblical according to what we just read. So don't be pressured. You know how terrible that is, this pressure we put on one another? To be married when you're not supposed to be, or maybe when you're not ready, or... So just chill. Leave each other alone. <laughs> your, good, your, your aunt, she means well. Just, just nod, okay, aunt, thank you, and move on, all right? But don't go out with that guy she's trying to set you up with. <laughs> no matter where you are, where you find yourself, wholeness is found in Jesus. If you're married, wholeness is found in Jesus. If you're single, wholeness is found in Jesus. See, marriage won't make you whole. You've also learned probably a new job won't make you whole. You th- sometimes we think if I had a new job, make me whole. Having children, nah, that'll, that'll be it. It's almost we look at these things where we're like, oh, graduating. What's next? Oh, I graduated college. Well, what's next? I got to get married. What's next? Oh, got to have kids. That's not going to make you whole, okay? Just know. Marriage doesn't make you whole. Jesus does. Marriage is a sacred union instituted by God to be the foundation of all human families. You need to see it the way God does. Second thing, the marriage bonds are not to be broken. The marriage bonds are not to be broken. Marriage is a physical and spiritual bond before the Lord. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. If you'd like to hear this full message in the series called One, it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue on the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.